Of course, if you're fighting for your country and you get shot or hurt, it's a terrible tragedy. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but maybe... Well, hello there, my friends. Raf here from The Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. And we have a lot to talk about today. I'm reporting to you on Friday morning from northern Israel, and it looks like the United States just bombed Syria. But don't worry, it has nothing to do with what's going on here. Absolutely nothing. Because why the hell would it? Meanwhile, we're closing in on the final financial crisis, and we see that from the abysmal action in the miners, but this has happened before, especially just prior to the financial crisis of 2008, and it is happening again. And we know what happens after that. They print money. And with what looks to be a possible World War III playing out right to the north of me, you might want to get some gold and silver before something crazy happens. Anyway, let's see what the U.S. Secretary of Defense just said about what just happened a few minutes ago. I'm just a messenger here, says Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III, statement on U.S. military strikes in eastern Syria on October 26, 2023. Today, at President Biden's direction, U.S. military forces conducted self-defense strikes at two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. We'll go to the last paragraph here, just for the key. These narrowly tailored strikes in self-defense were intended solely to protect and defend U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. They were separate and distinct from the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas and do not constitute a shift in our approach to the Israel-Hamas conflict. Well, okay, we'll just take them at their word. And by the way, what are U.S. forces doing in Syria around their oil fields? I mean, this doesn't seem like the most peaceful of activity and maybe they should get the hell out of here. Maybe if you pick up a gun and go to another country and you get shot, it's not that weird. But maybe this has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in Gaza. Nothing! Absolutely nothing! But maybe it does. Anyway, on to this week's silver report as the world is on the verge of blowing apart at the seams. Let's talk about the miners for a second. The mining stocks have performed abysmally over the last few weeks. I think two weeks we've expected them to go up and they have not as gold has gone up and silver is also trading sideways to down a bit. What is going on here? And by the way, this week's Silver Report is sponsored by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. We're just going to go into what the mining stocks do just before a financial crisis. And now this chart is a chart of the gold versus the Huey Gold Stocks Index. In 2008, just prior to 2008 financial crisis, what were these stocks doing? Well, look at this. In August, August of 2008, the gold to Huey index started to rise. And into October, into the peak of the financial crisis panic, these stocks sold off spectacularly relative to gold and silver. When the gold and silver mining stocks perform this poorly, it generally means that a financial crisis is just around the corner. And once the Fed turns around and starts printing, stocks like FSM and other gold and silver miners are going to catapult like they never have before 
in all of history. This is what I sincerely believe, because I think that when the Fed finally turns, it will print something like nine to ten trillion dollars in a matter of days. And what is going to happen then is that the dollar is going to collapse. And when the dollar collapses, that means that all companies, all stocks that denominate their earnings in terms of dollars are going to sell off. And what stocks are going to be bought on that panic? Well, those will be the gold and silver mining stocks because they are the only ones that actually make physical money. In a time when the derivatives are collapsing, that is when money will move from the general stock market into the gold and silver miners, and it will be a veritable flood. It's hard to see now, but this is what has happened after the 2008 financial crisis, after the printing started. It's what happened after the 2020 financial crisis from the lockdowns, after the printing started. It's what's going to happen now after this next financial crisis and final financial crisis, in my opinion, when the printing gets started. So you do not want to chase these. You want to be in now. This is not advice. This is what I am doing, and I do not give financial advice. Anyway, another quick lesson on hyperinflation and rate hikes do not solve it. So it doesn't matter how high the Fed hikes rates, it's not going to solve the inflation crisis. And we'll show a few examples here. The first is Turkey. There is news that they just hiked rates from 30 to 35%. The Central Bank of Turkey just hiked rates to 35%. You'd think, well, yeah, well, that's great. That's going to solve inflation. But no, that will not solve the price inflation problem because price inflation is closer to 80% in the country. So if you have an offer of 35% interest, when your food prices, turkey food inflation, when your food prices are rising more than twice as fast as the rate of interest you can get in a bank, why the hell wouldn't you spend the money on food instead of putting it in a bank? So if, <laughs> in order to quell inflation here or consumer price inflation, Turkey has to hike rates to about 200%, which they have done in the past. But this is not going to work. This is not going to help because doing that is going to collapse our banking system. But here's another thing they could do to stop inflation. Stop expanding their damn balance sheet, the central bank. Well, it's up to like 600 billion, trillion, schmillion, whatever that number is. It doesn't even matter. It keeps going, going, going. And this shows you that hyperinflation is unstoppable because the parabola has to continue. It must always keep going higher and higher and higher. And there is no stopping it once you start the fiat currency system. There is no stopping it. Central banks can do whatever they want and they cannot stop hyperinflation once they move to a fiat system. It is inevitable and that is what you have to understand. And now where are we on the price inflation front? Well, we're going to look at a few futures charts here. This one is the all-time chart going back to 1970 uh, for live cattle, for meat prices basically. And you see here on the chart, we are basically at all-time highs. So meat prices, it's at, what does it say? 181.125 here. Uh, just below all-time highs, which were hit like a two, maybe a few months ago, two weeks ago, something like that, very recently. And they're just going to keep going higher because, you know, that's what happens in a hyperinflationary environment. We're going to go to the next one. Oh, remember that movie, Trading Places? It wasn't silver. Who cares about silver? It was orange juice the whole time. The whole time? The whole time? You would the whole time? That's what you wanted to buy. That's what was going to go parabolic. That's what's going to protect you from hyperinflation. Orange juice futures. Okay, now we understand. Here in New York, they trade everything. Gold, silver, and of course, frozen concentrated orange juice. We should have just gotten the message from 1983 when that movie was made. But we didn't. We bought silver instead. Well, yeah, in the end, it's going to be silver. But right now, it's orange juice. The final round will be gold and silver. And once gold and silver go parabolic, they will stay there because there will be no more dollar. And then there will be a global currency reset based on gold and silver because there will be no other option. 
What else is at an all-time high? Well, you got butter. Butter, butter, butter. Butter is at an all-time high. You wonder why you have high meat grocery bills and why you have high butter bills. It's because the butter and the meat futures are at all-time highs. This is not going to be good for consumer price inflation. We are already on the second wave of it. Even though interest rates are close to 5%, there is nothing the Fed can do to stop this. Now we're going to move to Japan. Lots of problems in Japan. The yen has broken 150. It started to really collapse until the Bank of Japan did something. And uh, the yen the yen graph is now shaky at around 150, going up and down in a crazy fashion. But this is why Japan must end yield curve control, because look at its consumer price inflation for food prices. They're going up at 9% annual. And if you read this paragraph, Japan... Food prices in Japan rose by 9% from a year earlier in, 20, in September 2023, quickening from an 8.6% uh, increase in the previous month, while pointing to the steepest increase since July 1976. If you look at some of these statistics, they are unbelievable. Vegetables are up 13.1% versus 4.3% in August. Uh, cooked food is still up 9.2%. All these, you can read them. You can pause the video here and look at these things. Dairy products and eggs are up 20.6%. This is unbelievable. Uh, hyperinflation in Japan seems to be taking hold and uh, they have got to stop the fall in the yen, but they can't. Uh, the yen is headed towards hyperinflation. Exactly when it goes completely out of control, I don't know, but that's definitely the direction we're in. This is the yen chart, and this is a five-minute candle chart. You can see what happens in the space of five minutes per candle here. Uh, this is October 26th yesterday. This is the action in the yen. I think the yen hit a high or a low of 1.150 point, whatever that number is, 150.8, let's say. Uh, uh, and uh, you can see here on a five-minute candle, somebody smashed it down to 149.8. So it it went about a whole handle from 150.8 to 149.8 in the space of five minutes. The only power that can do that is the Bank of Japan. They are running for their lives, but they cannot get the yen back under 150. It depends how much dollar cash they have under their belt in order to protect the yen. And when they run out of that, they're going to have to sell treasuries again, and the yield is going to... Uh, climb again. And you see what's happening in the 10-year and 30-year yields. Treasuries are trading like penny stocks. This is not very stable. And it has a lot to do with the war going on over here. And it looks like we are in the last throes of the US dollar system based on treasuries throughout the globe. In terms of the yen, this is a 50-year chart going all the way back to the 1970s, in 1973 here. Uh, and here you have the last line of defense at uh, 158, this is going back to 1989, 1990, when the Japanese stock market topped out and has never seen those tops since. Uh, see here that in this chart, we're at 150.45, double topping over here from, I think this is uh, October 2022, when the end last reached this level. This is the last line of defense until 158 that we hit in 1989, 1990, and after that, there's uh, it's just it's just it's going to be a waterfall and the end is going to collapse. So uh, the Bank of Japan has basically two targets left before the end is a complete freefall. We'll see what happens. We could get there quickly. And uh, let's go to the U.S. monetary system. Now, the new statistics on the on the U.S. money supply came out on Tuesday this week. And we see here that the deflation continues relentlessly. We hit a new low of 20.609 trillion September 25th. 
Uh, and there's typically a little bump into the next week, which is a week after September 25th, going into the new month, October. Uh, so there's typically a bump there, but it is not a new high. The uh, deflationary trend continues here with the money supply continuing to fall, which means that the stock market, U.S. stocks, mainstream stocks will continue to fall. And we're getting closer and closer to the final financial crisis as the money supply continues to deflate. And so what we have, people, is we're on the verge of a major war involving the U.S. and God forbid Iran or Syria. Um, it's not fun being in the middle of this. I wish the U.S. would get out of here and stop trying to take countries' oil. What the hell are they doing in Syria? I don't know. They should just get out and they're making me nervous, but it looks like we're on the road to something big and scary. And um, nobody is going to be able to tell the daily movements of gold and silver in this environment. But if a major war does break out, the metals are going to be the safest place to protect your wealth. And that is my personal opinion. And I don't think it's that crazy. This is Rafi of The Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. And I'll see you guys next week, hopefully not in a state of complete war.